Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I am your host, Mike Veerman. And today, for the first time in a couple episodes, we have our regular producer here, Max Kerman. You're back. Max, what's up? I'm back. I'm like a deadbeat producer. No, stop it. You're a busy man. Uh, yeah, busy, but also a deadbeat producer. Max, how dare you? Let the listeners know. What have you been up to? Where have you been for the last few weeks? So uh, the band has been very busy. Uh, we spent a couple weeks down in LA. We had some shows down there. And Ooh, we fancy. Yeah, we were getting work on uh, the new album. And I got to say, I hate recording. <laughs> uh, you know, even though I'm in a band and I am you know, write songs for a living, I guess. This is your chosen profession. This is my chosen profession. I hate the studio. It's so tedious. Yeah. And everybody can't stand me in the studio, <laughs> especially because I'm just like, are we done yet? Are we done yet? I just want to get to the point where I'm in my car and the song comes on the radio. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to do any of the other work in the, to get us there. Actually, I'm in the middle of recording right now at... Uh, down the street in Toronto. This is a fact. Max, uh, who has been recording this album, the Arkell's fourth album. Yeah, whenever that comes out. Whenever it comes yeah. out. And you're in the middle of recording right now, and you're texting, you're like, hey, like, let's do this, let's squeeze it in, and mm-hmm. Uber just dropped them off out front, and then from here, he needs to go. And I gotta go right to back. There's horn players waiting to, to, to lay down their parts. Is that true? Or is it, no, seriously, it's true. <laughs> there's, there's literally gonna be a sax guy waiting at the front door of the recording studio. Does he look like a traditional like, sax guy with he a cool phone? He looks like Gums Murphy. <laughs> well, speaking of music... Uh, uh, I want to hear your review. You went to the Paul McCartney concert this weekend. I did. We deliberately haven't talked about it because I wanted to save it for the pod. That's right, which is becoming common with us now. Yeah, it's funny. Whenever we're excited to tell each other anything, <laughs> the other one just goes, uh-uh-uh, save it for the pod. <laughs> um, I did. I saw Paul McCartney. I'm kind of curious about uh, the de- demographics of a Paul McCartney show because uh, I was cruising through Instagram on Saturday and there was a Disclosure show. And yeah. Disclosure is like the hottest sort of like dance electronic music. This show was happening at the same time as Paul McCartney. Yeah, and so there's a bunch of sort of like 21-year-old girls on drugs, like, you know, losing their mind. What was the, what was the crowd like at the ACC? Uh, it was a bunch of 51-year-old people on drugs losing their mind. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, his fans are, are older. You know, they're Beatles fans. But the thing about Paul McCartney and the Beatles is they literally hit every demographic. But at this particular Toronto show, it was an older crowd for sure. Actually, right like in the middle of the floor was Bubbles from Trailer Park Boys. Really? Absolutely. <laughs> with so his weird. girlfriend. And he didn't have his like Bubbles glasses on. So he wasn't as recognizable. But here's the thing. Somehow they worked something out with the ACC where I think they were shooting something for Trailer Park Boys. Uh, so a dude comes up with like kind of like one of those like uh, DLSRs and like the lights and then Bubbles puts his glasses on and starts like performing, watching the show sort of deal. Oh, wow. So they shot a mini segment for something there. That'd be weird if Paul McCartney was really into the Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I wasn't expecting it. Paul's like a vegan and like yeah, an activist, exactly. and he, but he loves Trailer. You know, it's weird. Uh, our producer, uh, one of the guys we've worked with, Tony Hoffer, who's like this little like... LA hipster producer man, he loves trailer park boys. It always surprises me when people who aren't like, you know, tread carefully, Max. <laughs> <laughs> people I, love the show people love, people love the show that's all. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but mccartney was it was amazing and i felt like um i said to myself uh, like a couple years ago i'm like if paul ever comes around again mm-hmm. uh, to toronto no matter what the cost i'm going to the show i've been a lifelong beatles fan since like before i could walk i like obsessed you know, I've got a John Lennon lyric tattooed on my chest. I'm like, the fact that Paul was coming, I, I needed to go. That being said, Ringo's been to Casino Rama about 17 times in that <laughs> two-year span, and I've taken a pass. But uh, That's different. Yeah. Uh, uh, what, what were your favorite songs of the night? There were so many sort of, you know, Max. You know, I looked through the set list. Yeah. Somebody posted it on my Facebook. 
And it was incredible. It was like the last four songs before he even got to the encore, I know. which was like he an did two un- loaded encore. He did two, lo- two loaded encores. The last four songs were like... Two loaded encores, one loaded mic, singing every <laughs> lyric. It was a dream, Max. Oh, man. It, it reminds me, actually, I remember when you saw Bruce a yeah. couple years ago, and you were telling stories of that. It, it's a, it's a, it was a lot like that. Did you cry? Yeah, I did. Here's the thing. I... It got a little misty for me when he got into Let It Be. Now, here's the thing. I've heard Let It Be a million times. It's never really moved me. I mean, I, I recognize that it's this sort of wonderful ballad and it means a lot to a lot of people. But why Let It Be got to me is because there was a moment, um, and I was like about two of those big like ACC uh, buckets of beer in, uh, <laughs> and Paul sits down at the piano and he starts playing Let It Be. And, you know, everyone starts like lighting, like holding their lighters up and then holding their phones up, and all of a sudden, you know, 17,000 people are all sort of in this moment. Now, obviously we've been to concerts where that sort of thing happens all the time, but it was something about that song, the imagery on the screen, just Paul and a piano on a stage, like me looking around at the arena. And I was just thinking about what the Beatles mean to people, what Paul McCartney means to people, these songs that he's written, how they've affected people, what they mean to their lives, like more so than any other band, any other music. It's just like meant something to people on so many levels. And in that moment, him singing that song and watching the weight of it all sort of like it got to me. I don't know what, why I was tearing up. It was like, it was either because, you know what I mean? The the sadness of the song, the joy of the song, the fact that Paul was sitting right there and he's this man that I've sort of like kind of like idolized from afar, you know, from a basement in Hamilton. And now we're in the same room and I'm able to be here. And the song means so much to so many people. And in that moment I became overwhelmed and tears were streaming down my face. And I felt like, uh, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, no, was, you know, that, that's so cool. And there is definitely something you said for the power of the, of the crowd. And, and, uh, that happened to me at the Springsteen show on like three songs, probably. And, the weirdest part, though, is that they weren't even my favorite songs uh, from the Springsteen catalog um, in the same way that, like, Let It Be is, like, you know, maybe your 11th favorite Beatles yeah, song exactly. or whatever. And Springsteen was playing this song. He opened with it. It's called you know, We Take Care of Our Own, which is the single off the latest record. It's sure. not even, like, a vintage Springsteen song. But then, but you know, you just hear, the, see the people sing along and see the person sing it right to you. It's pretty incredible. Did you cry at Bruce? Oh, yeah. It was amazing. Yeah? I You know, yeah, I like a good cry. But, you know, to be honest... I've been crying a lot lately. You know, I've been to a few movies in the theater. You and I have spent some time. I remember when we went and saw Selma. Uh, oh, yeah. I was, I was a bit taken aback at how emotional you got. It was an emotional movie. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. You were- I was, I'm a startling crier because people don't <laughs> expect it. And then I'll, I'll be totally silent. And then all of a sudden I'll go, <laughs> Well, this is, the, this is one of the reasons why I can't even watch like emotional documentaries or just TV shows that often. It's just right. too much for me. Uh, for instance, Lauren, my girlfriend, is really into Grey's Anatomy. Okay. Which is kind of nice. It's on the same level as Selma as far as emotional impact. <laughs> you know what? On some episodes, it's true. Uh, and so she watches it every night before she goes to bed. And I just like put my headphones in and listen to a podcast. And that's like sort of our routine. It's yeah. kind of nice. And the greatest, greatest thing about it is like she's been watching Grey's Anatomy. She just like started watching it. But like probably about five months ago. And she watches it every single night. And I was like, when are you going to be done this show? That This took 12 seasons. It's of still going. It's still going. And there's like 30 episodes per season. <laughs> yeah. She's like, she's not going to finish the show for like another three years. And I kind of <laughs> like it because I can just kind of hang out by myself in bed with the headphones on. Anyway, she said, Max, can you just watch this one episode? And it's this episode where there's this father who has a very sick child who's like five. Mm. And the father's freaking out because things aren't looking good for the kid. 
and then the ner- and he's like calling someone in Mexico who has like this alternative treatment to like save the kid, but there's like it's not going to happen. Like the kid is has about like thirty minutes left before yeah. it's really. And then the the nurse who's like the wise black nurse lady who's mm-hmm. got sass and it's really cool and has a huge heart. Uh, she's like just just hug your kid, just like and and she's like in bed with the kid and she's like do like do you want your kid's last moment to be with me or do you want to be next to the kid? And then he kind of realizes that he should just like be holding his child. And like literally I've, that's like the only part of the show I've ever watched. And it was like within about five seconds, it was like, ah! <laughs> 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 I was just, Oh my God. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just can't watch any of that stuff. <sighs> well, McCartney was great though. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on to Vance joy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let's talk about that guy. <laughs> um, yeah, on to Vance Joy. Um, th- we have a great episode today, Max. <laughs> wow, it's, it, we're really heavy. We got kind of emotional, and now we need to slip into uh, Vance Joy, who's having a huge year. Uh, he's got. He's one of those guys that got uh, has nicer curls than me. He does, and he's taller than me, probably. Like he I is. like to consider myself as like, the guy who's sort of like curly haired, you know, tall, little like a dark features, little scruff. Okay. Vance Joy, nicer curls, better scruff, better, taller, taller better like jawline and shit. That's true. <laughs> so I, I don't know what you want me to say. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and much more popular than us, too. So, uh, but, and I couldn't be here for this one. So, uh, Which is probably for the best, the way you're uh, setting this yeah. up. It's probably best for your ego that you weren't in the room. I know. I would have been all spiteful the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so you weren't here for this one, yeah. but Shane was. Mm-hmm. You were in Los Angeles. You're working. Yeah, I was in Whistler actually. Oh, Whistler! You were you guys doing a show? Was yeah, that we had a, we had a show in Whistler that day, uh, and, I, and it was funny because he's from Australia, mm-hmm. and Whistler is nothing but Australians. That's true, and it's really annoying. <laughs> like Vance Joy seems like a really nice guy, and the interview sounded like it went amazing. Yeah, but when you're in Whistler and you haven't had a coffee yet, and you like go to order a coffee at the Starbucks, and they're like, "We don't accept debit." <laughs> <laughs> that, that was my Australian <laughs> accent. That was your Australian. I was just like. Oh God. It's like a colony. It's literally an Australian colony. Yeah. Yeah. In 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 Whistler. They all go there to work on the slopes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Just a bunch of, <laughs> of ski bums. Get out of my face. Give me back my country. <laughs> Am I voting conservative tonight? <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. No more Australian workers. You in know what Canada. the funny thing is, is that Australians are really about the only country you can just openly make fun of. I don't know if that's true, but you've certainly <laughs> taken up the cause today. <laughs> no, but really. This is one Australian, though, that was very nice. Vance Joy. I know. I know you guys hit it off. Yeah, he was He was really charming. He, he's a big fan of movies, so we connected on that. He's having a huge year. He's opening for Taylor Swift all over the place. We talked a bit about that. What it's like to have a huge hit like Riptide. Uh, what his day looks like. What his favorite Jim Carrey movie is. We talked about it all, Max. Was it Liar Liar? It wasn't. What was it? Well, no, let's get to you know what Max? Yeah, I'm not telling you. You have to listen to this interview. How you been? Well, very well, thank you. Yeah, yeah you've sort of been on this crazy whirlwind. Yeah, it's been busy. I've played a bunch of shows. I think I did. I think I did 200 shows last year. And I think this year we'll probably only do about what, 150. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> it looked like uh, actually our producer Max is in a Canadian band that, that does a lot of touring, and I think he was on Squamish with you guys. Yeah. And. Um, it seems like you're doing a lot of Canadian shows. Yeah, there's been a few, and a few kind of special ones. I played a, a festival in Quebec called Festival de Terre, oh, okay. which is really cool. Uh, and then um, did Way Home, and we did Squamish. And those, those are all amazing. Like, Squamish, like, the Way Home was unreal. The crowd was amazing. And then Squamish was, like, 
most beautiful backdrop and I think I took a beautiful photo from on stage so yeah I loved it I've been loving playing in Canada I think I've got a good really good kind of fan base here so I just want to keep coming back and making sure I'm kind of engaging yeah was that like a sort of conscious decision like let's just keep sort of hitting Canada I think you're doing Canada a bunch too within the next sort of like year in 2016 yeah yeah coming back and doing some headline shows here um I think but I went I did South by Southwest um and I went there in 2013 for the first time and I met uh, my agent and he was like uh, and we were like we, were, we really want to do something in Canada and he was like okay cool and we kind of I guess from that day we kind of planned planned a bunch of shows and yeah it's been amazing it's, I'm so glad that it worked out well because I really enjoy coming here so I'm glad there's actually you know a reason to keep coming back right right so I guess just sort of starting off you know the name Vance Joy comes from a book yeah and your album's from a Lennon lyric yeah what kind of books and music did you have around the house growing up um I, def- I had a um, variety I think I had Ben Folds 5, it was in okay. Dad's car, yeah. uh, Forever and Ever Amen. I had uh, a guy called Paul Kelly, who's an Australian folk singer-songwriter, who's a bit like Australia's version of Bruce Springsteen or Bob Dylan or something like that, but he's obviously unique to himself, but the same kind of legacy, the same kind of importance in Australian music. And then um, books, I had. it took me a while to get into books. My mum's my an English teacher, so I should have been more receptive, but it took me a <laughs> while to kind of accept reading, but now I'm, I'm enjoying reading a lot. But uh, at school, I think, you know, growing up it was... You know, my parents would read to me like Oliver Twist and all that stuff, and then I just did the books we had to read at school, which sure. I was grudgingly reading. The mandatory stuff. The mandatory <laughs> stuff. And now I'm now I just feel like it's awesome to just choose books. I'm reading the new Jonathan Franzen book, Purity, which I'm loving. I'm going to finish it when I get back home uh, to the hotel tonight. What uh, What did your dad do? You said your mom's my, English teacher. Mom's, mom's English teacher. My dad was a teacher for a bit, then he moved into um, working on software uh, and computers. But then, um, and he's also, I think he's a creative, really creative guy. Like he. Uh, he kind of was interested in acting and did a bunch of acting when he was younger um, and then he's also you know really creative and really pushed me into playing music so I, I have uh, him to thank I think for for saying hey you're going to learn the guitar like you don't have an option this is going to happen you're not going to regret playing an instrument and I haven't regretted it it's been like the best thing ever so were you a little reluctant to sort of get into the instrument at first yeah yeah totally he'd, he'd buy me um, he bought me guitars and I was like oh you know because I, I just associated it with like having to go to lessons having to do theory and boring stuff and like being it felt like work yeah it felt like work it yeah. felt like homework like schoolwork. and then eventually um a bit like reading, I guess, it, it stopped um, feeling like homework and I could, hey, I want to learn a Blink-182 song, I want to learn a Metallica song, I can just go on the internet and find the, the tabs and the chords and learn it myself. And once I, once I did that, it was like, you know, that was, um, that I was on the path. The creativity sort of takes over and then it's like, it's fun. And mm. I get there's also a thrill once you kind of start playing them and you realize you can do it, you can play a mm. Blink-182 song. Yeah, that's the greatest thing ever when you're like, whoa, I thought that was going to be the most impossible thing, but <laughs> I can do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you said your dad was an actor. Did you see any of his work? Uh, unfortunately, he had kind of stopped acting by the time I came along. And so, I, uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to see him. No old tapes or anything? No old tapes. I mean, I, I should ask him. I should ask him. I can see his acting when I hang out at home. And, like, he can do accents really well. And uh, <laughs> So, I think... Um, but I never, unfortunately, ever got to see him on stage. Can you do accents? Uh, not really, no. I think... Um, the uh, Rachel, my manager, would would have uh, unfortunately had to deal with me uh, trying accents uh, while we're having lunch and dinner and stuff. What's your best one? Uh, I don't know if I have if I have a very good any good ones. But um, Rachel, does he have night, a good one? Last night we were talking. The South African argument. My wife. My wife. No, it sounds bad bad now. But uh, <laughs> I've got the Rhodesian Ridgeback back home, and uh, yes, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. Rhodesia. 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 <laughs> 
That's one word I can say confidently in a South African accent. Um, your story of sort of being, um, you know, former athlete and then sort of having this massive song with Riptide. Um, is there anything about your story that, I mean, people maybe don't know? Um, I think, I think, I think that, that like, it's funny what you, the first few inter- interviews I ever did, I kind of, I guess I gave that explanation of what I'd been up to, which was playing football and studying. And um, so I often talk about that stuff, but I think often my ability as a footballer probably gets, um, you know, it, it sounds like I was better than I was. I was, like, <laughs> I was it's like professionals. Like I played like semi-professionally, which was like, I got paid a hundred bucks a week and um, I was never going to be a top level player unless I, you know, had a different brain I think I think if I had a sportsman's brain that's like can just do it and you know and do everything necessary and make all the sacrifices then I would have done it but um, things that people don't know about me um, I, I like I think most of the things are kind of on my Instagram but I I went through a rollerblading phase I, used, I like rollerblading which I, I kind of realise isn't very cool and then um, <laughs> another not cool thing is that I I, I know I've seen the whole of Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, from season one to season seven. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Sarah Michelle Gellar. So I, um, that's, I mean, it's like people say, say something interesting about yourself, and I don't know if that counts as interesting, but it probably gives you some indication of the kind of person I am, like, that I've seen that whole thing. Uh, yeah. On a Sunday yeah. afternoon, you might watch some Buffy and then go have a rollerblade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that, I want, I want, yeah, that kind of like it creates a good kind of balance between like, wait, was he really good at football or was he like just watching Buffy? So I think that kind of creates uh, more, of, more of a real picture. Do you remember your last sort of part-time job before you started doing this full-time? Uh, yeah, I, I worked as a gardener. I had, I had a few jobs and I was always a bad employee. I, I was a bad waiter. I was a bad bottle shop person because I just hated doing stuff um, but um, I had a job as a gardener for five years and I loved it I would mow people's lawns and cut their trees and had a really fun fun team and I would get a morning tea would be like cakes and cups of coffee and tea from old ladies and we'd just sit and talk and hopefully extend that break for as long as we could so that was that was a great job I loved it being on this Taylor Swift tour is kind of this massive sort of undertaking like what does a day on that tour look like a show day um, it looks, it can, it depends, like, um, it, it can be really busy, um, especially in some of the big kind of places, like, here, we're going to play two massive shows here, so, I think, um, it's basically a lot of people running around, like, it's a huge production team, lots of buses, so things just being built, like, lots of ants just, like, crawling around, yeah. building stuff, and then, when it gets to the show, it's kind of, we've done quite a few, we've done, like, 54 shows, so, it really is just, like, a routine, and we kind of get there, you know, we kind of go to stage now perfect exact time go on stage play for exactly half an hour get off stage um, then I go out and watch some of Taylor's show and she usually you know she plays a big place she'll, play, she'll bring out like a special guest that's so. what I was going to say she's bringing out these people do they show up for rehearsal do you sort of see that during the day like oh yeah. Mick Jagger's going to come on or? yeah sometimes like, I mean I was I was in um, Houston and uh, she brought out Wiz Khalifa and so I saw them just going through their kind of like you know their spots and they're going on they're walking in the catwalk and it's kind of like you know, exactly as you're going to see it, but without that extra little bit of enthusiasm. And then, um, so you can see that. And then the special guests will kind of just go back to their little spot. <laughs> and do we, they'll do their thing. And they'll kind of stay in their back backstage room. Um, but, um, yeah, that's, so you do see that. You see that and you see, you see it from that perspective. Um, and then you get to see, like, uh, you know, uh, after that, the contrast of seeing a filled out stadium with, like, you know, 50,000 people all lit up and it's kind of... It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, do you deal with her a lot sort of throughout the tour? Are you sort of kind of separate entities, sort of like, I'm doing my thing, you're doing your thing? I think it's separate entities. I think she's so busy that I, I can't even imagine. I think about, like, I feel like what are the demands that I have I have as in my job, job and I guess the level of 
as a musician where I'm at. And so I can only imagine that it just like would be crazy. And the amount of you know people she has to talk to, she does meet and greets before and after the shows, plus special guests, plus learning. I guess two new songs for every yeah, of course, potentially two new songs for every show. So it's um, I'm you know very inspired by how how much much work she puts in um so yeah when i do see it it's, it's usually pretty, pretty brief i was gonna say like seeing that kind of work ethic are you sort of taking notes i mean actually being an athlete i mean do you equate sort of the prep that goes into that you know with the prep that goes into sort of playing a live show and the sort of everyday grind yeah totally i think um initially i was just kind of chilling out i was like oh well i'm not i'm not an athlete i'm just playing music so i I don't need to be fit and, and all that kind of stuff. But now it's like you wake up, you know, you want to wake up a bit of, you know, ahead of when you're going to have to sing and you got to warm up your voice. And so for her, I, I see, I see, you know, just an amazing, amazing attention to detail. And, and um, she must be kind of almost like, I would assume, like kind of fanatical about her preparation. So. Um, I read you're a huge Jim Carrey fan. Is this true? Yeah, yeah, I'm a fan for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, are you like a big movie fan in general? I'm a, yeah, I think generally a movie fan, yeah. What was the last movie you saw? I saw Everest. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. How was it? It's actually really Jake good. Gyllenhaal. Yeah, yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal, um, Josh Brolin. I think I said I was really like, why would I bother seeing a movie about Everest? It's the most like most obvious storyline, but um, the acting is really good, and so yeah, I would recommend it. I think it's it's a true story, but it seems to be very loyal to to the true story. What's your favorite Jim Carrey movie? Favorite Jim Carrey movie? Wow, that's a hard one. Um, what is what was the first thing? I mean, Dumb and Dumb is pretty amazing, and then I guess <laughs> do you have to say some kind of series? What's, what's like a serious Jim Carrey movie? There's oh, uh, like well, the Truman Show, Truman Eternal Show, Sunshine. Wow, Truman Eternal Sunshine, Sunshine and Spotless yeah, Mind. Yeah, so those two. Truman Show, I think, is incredible. Shane, our co-producer, is the biggest Dumb and Dumber fan uh, I think I've ever it's met. The best. Movie. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. such a good movie. Yeah, Mike doesn't time. like it. Yeah, I'm yeah. not a huge fan. That's I was like, fun. I was like uh, Ace Ventura, The Mask, okay. and yeah. then Dumb and Dumber left me a little cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big cool. point of contention between Shane and I. Yeah. Well, Ace Ventura, you know what? I think Ace Ventura, the first one, I think mm-hmm. is is on is you know one of the best ones as well for sure. Like the scene with the uh, the soundproof glass, like that whole scene. <laughs> I'm just like, that's the uh, best. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, it's a classic. Um, I guess another thing, just getting back to sort of music, as you sort of get bigger and bigger and sort of ride this massive wave um you know there might be pressure to sort of like do co-writes like i know you know taylor and other artists do co-writes one how do you feel about co-writing and two like would you be open to working with like max martin or somebody like that um yeah i like the idea i think i've had some great experiences with co-writing so um and also some experiences where i've been like oh maybe it's not for me so i think you learn something about yourself from doing it and a good thing is that maybe you don't want to use a song for yourself, so you use it for someone else. Because um, the, the difference between songs I've written with other people and the songs I've written my own stuff is that when you write it yourself completely, you've you almost have this innate confidence in the song. You're just like, this is me. But when you write it with someone else, there's someone else's voice in there and someone else's idea. And so you almost have to, I don't know, bring it into yourself or somehow play it so much that it feels like you. And so I've never played a song that's been written by someone else completely. Like I've never done that thing before. In order for you to perform it, there needs oh, to be yeah. a piece of you in that song. If, at the moment it feels like that. Of course, yeah. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, if I, if I walk, if I came out, some, someone came up to me tomorrow and said, Hey, what do you think of this song? And I was like, wow, this is like the best song I've ever heard. I'd be like, can I sing this song? Yeah. So, do you mind? If yeah, yeah. Do you mind if I just borrow that? So I, I'm, my mind's open. I kind of see co-writing, it seems to happen I don't know I don't know I've only had my experiences but it seems like it happens all the time especially today and a lot of artists are doing it so I just kind of like the idea of going with the flow and seeing right. seeing what whatever this is now the music whatever is happening in music now I'm happy to just be part of it right yeah. 
All right. Well, man, thanks for your time. My buddy Shane here is going to be at the show tomorrow night. So amazing, excited. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Not much. I mean, can you give us any, any, any? No. Yeah. <laughs> Will you do a half hour? Half an hour set. Yeah. That's good. You're going to dedicate this song to Shane? Yeah, I might. If I'm you mine. don't mind. Yeah, yeah. they're all it's dedicated. Like Every single ask. one is dedicated okay. to you. So <laughs> if I don't announce it as dedicated, you just like just know it is already dedicated. Yeah, it's unspoken. I'll look out in that direction. Oh, cool. <laughs> and now we are in the part of the episode that, as you all know, Max likes to call the dessert, but Max actually had to go back to recording. This is a true fact. Uh, he was here. We did the opening. You guys just listened to the Vance Joy interview that Shane was with me during. And actually, Shane is with me now for Shane's segment. Hello, hello. Shane, are you a little insulted that Max left for your segment? I was. I bumped into him at, at the bottom of your apartment. And I thought, I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. He's coming to like greet me and to come up the elevator with me. I was like, a little weird, but I haven't seen him in a couple of weeks. But then he's like, oh, I got a saxophone player waiting for me. Never said that, but I just found out getting up here. But yeah, uh, alone again up here. <laughs> and I'm on Max's mic. So I'm wondering. You're I, perfect. Am I good? You're good. Okay. You're nice. You're nice and hot. Your levels are good. Your levels are good, baby. Yes. Microphone technique I'm very aware of right now. You're actually, I was going to say, you're, you're better than you've ever been. You've been consistently on the mic. Two uh, weddings in a row have kind of taught me a lesson. Shane has emceed two weddings in a row. Uh, Shane and I did our friend Julian's wedding a couple weeks back. And then Shane, you just did a wedding this weekend uh, with my brother Greg as your, your co-host. Who, yeah, makes me a little bit more nervous than you. Greg is, uh, he's looser and he likes going not as prepared necessarily. <laughs> so it was... I thought it was going to be less stressful because at the last wedding you and I did, we were surrounded by more of our peers. This one was people I hadn't really seen in about 10 years. Like so I was a little people. less nervous because if I f*** up, I won't see them again for a while. <laughs> I don't know if I, I, I should get into talking about that or you want to just talk about movies or what? No, let's hear about this wedding. So it was kind of a roller coaster <laughs> week. Uh, it all started on Friday. We went to the engagement party. Okay. A week ago, Friday. Oh, you mean like a, like a rehearsal dinner thing? I thought it was that. I wasn't really sure what it is. It was more of just like a party. For everyone in the wedding party. Yeah, and I hadn't seen Bram really in a while, so it was a good chance to kind of like be friends again because we hadn't spoken in Bram years. got married, and he's like, uh, he was a close high school friend. Like, you could say he was, a lot of people say he was like my best friend. Yeah, you school. and my brother hung out with him a lot. Ton. So it was kind of like, okay, I hadn't seen him in 10 years, so the engagement party... I'm like, it's almost like a high school reunion for me. So I'm trying to be cool and be funny like the way they remembered me. And I got the hot girlfriend, Alex. So I'm kind of like proud of that. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm still like cool. And then coming with Alex, they're like, whoa, she's so hot. And they're pulling that whole thing. And I feel good. I feel like the coolest guy there kind of start pouring drinks. And Alex is very social, like the uh She's talking to this guy, another guy I hadn't seen in a long time, Jeff. He starred in this movie I directed years ago called Teen Wolf 3. He played Teen, Teen Wolf, yeah. So she's talking to Teen Wolf for like two hours, and I'm making like jokes like, uh-oh, Alex and Teen Wolf, all this. And I'm, I'm getting drunker and drunker, <laughs> and we're having like a really great time. And it's like old times. And, and then uh, Bram's brother's there. He's got, the, he's got a lot of brothers. He's got this other brother who's kind of like the cool guy from – High school. So I'm like, you know, Alex will probably at some point go talking to him, but I, you know, I'm cool <laughs> enough. But then I'm kind of getting, you know, drunker, drunker, drunker. And so, so was Alex. And, you know, she's very talkative when she's dead sober. So I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. I don't care. I like leave the other room to go take a pee and I come back and she's talking to Brett. I'm like, oh, whatever. I can handle this. You know, I'm a grown man, whatever. Girl's going to talk to people. 
then uh, Bram comes over. He's like, ah, oh, he's like, oh, I'm sorry. He's like, Brett, you know, he's like, Brett does this and all this. <laughs> I'm like, but Brett's really not doing it. He's just sitting there and she's talking to him. But my, um, I just had enough alcohol for my brain to go a little like cuckoo <laughs> and like high school. Like I was kind of like the, not the coolest guy in high school. I know you missed that era of me. You only know me as like the James Dean guy, but uh, <laughs> in, <laughs> in high school, uh, truth be told, I wasn't actually that cool. I was riddled with acne and had like long blonde hair and was kind of fatter. But, um, so anyways, all my insecurities start coming out and this is the first time Bram has seen me in a long time. And now it's like, I'll, I bring my girlfriend and now she's getting stolen in my mind at the one party. So Bram's like, yeah, sorry. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, this is embarrassing. I'm like, I'm out of here. So, <laughs> you left. Like a mature man. I'm just like <laughs> heading for the door. I, I call an Uber to come pick me up. Uber's coming. I'm like, see ya. I just kind of say it. No, no one cares. Everyone's just partying. Like no one's even noticed that I'm gone. <laughs> uh, except for Bram's like, oh, Shane's actually leaving. He's not kidding. He probably thought it was just some joke or something. So Bram's like, Shane, Shane comes out. He's like, come on, get back in here. I'm like, no. I'm like, I'm getting the Uber. But my phone dies. <laughs> but you, for Uber to work, you need your phone to work or the tracking thing. So I'm like, I'm, char- I'm coming back in. I'm charging my phone. And then I'm f- out of here. For, for this thing. So I'm already humiliating myself <laughs> at this party with like a girlfriend who's fairly new and I've by all accounts been cool with. You've reverted to high school party behavior. Yes. Like a damn fool. So I come back and then I, I call Alex over. I'm like, you're humiliating me <laughs> in front of all my friends. She's like, what? I'm not doing anything. I'm just talking. I'm like talking, schmocking. You're flirting your ass off. <laughs> everyone thinks you're fooling around. She's like, everyone <laughs> thinks that? I'm like, yes, everyone has come up to me. And I just like exaggerated. Anyways, we end up going home. And you'd think I'd be over it by morning, but I'm still like humiliated, not only at my behavior, but I'm like, everyone thinks like... That I'm this insecure, jealous guy, which I'm obviously not. No, I am. (laughs) (laughs) And two, that what if they actually think Alex was? Because Brett has such a reputation and they don't necessarily know. So I'm wondering all these things. So I was like, once I cooled down, I was like, listen, Alex, you know, I'm sorry, but it's more like how it looks. You didn't really do anything wrong per se, I don't think. And, you know, it's more, it's optically, it just looks bad for you to be talking to someone like that who is, you know, attractive and all that. It just looks worse. Optically, they're like, oh, Shane's lost the girl. So she's like, yeah, I understand. She was like so nice about it. It was, it made me feel so guilty how, how nice she was. She, she didn't get mad at me or saying I was overreacting or anything. She was just apologetic. So I feel like a total asshole week. And then just to tie the story together in an odd twist, after the MC gig, I'm feeling very good, drinking, I go to the bar, these, you know, these girls come up to me and then I'm talking to them for like two hours, just like yakety yak. And then Alex comes over to me and she's like the least jealous person in the world. But she's like, oh, this girl came up to me and told me I should go talk to you because, uh, you know, you were talking to these girls for so long. And then I just see the hypocrisy in the whole thing. And I'm just like, ah, shit. (laughs) So... (laughs) The lesson is f- be careful what you do because, you know, you end up being a hypocrite if you've got too many crazy convictions. But it was just hilarious how in that whole week it all came full circle and I got mad at her. I'm just like, no, optically it looks bad, okay? You're talking to like an attractive person for two hours alone and then I ended up doing it 
at the actual wedding. Right. Everyone. So, yeah. And the two girls that you were talking to, did you hook up with them? Yeah, I fucked f- <laughs> the shit out of them. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't don't count. You know that old bumper sticker I had in my driving days? Yeah. That's it. That's all. That is our episode. Uh, I would like to thank our guest, Vance Joy. I'd like to thank uh, Max for showing up after two episodes of being away. I'd like to thank Shane for coming on. Shane's here for the closing. How's it going, Shane? Pretty well. How'd you feel about that episode? I really wanted Max in the room. You can follow us at Mike on Much on Twitter and Instagram. All of the artwork for the Mike on Much podcast is done by Jenna Gregory at jennasdoodles.com. The Mike on Much podcast is produced by Max Kerman, and when he's not here, Shane Cunningham. I do nothing. <laughs> I am your host, Mike Veerman. See you next weekend if we don't die on the weekend. Go Jays, go. Yeah. <laughs>